Good morning and welcome to Dateline New Haven. Oh. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Nothing ticks more than Pundit Friday, which we're about to begin here in the WNHH studio. With the number one pundits in the media universe, minus one, Markeisha Ricks, the reporter who's everywhere in New Haven, is off today. So there's a little bit less sunshine in the studio, but we're still going to soldier on and look behind the headlines with the dairy-free goddess of our grassroots radio operation, the bell of our ball, Babs Rolls Ivy. Hey. Managing editor of the Inner City News and host of WNHH's Love Babs Love Talk. Hey, program. y'all. And you know, Paul has on my headsets, Harry. Do you see that? That's okay. Okay. The Queen of Quipering, Quintessence of Compassion, Lavosa Spanner, Publisher, Norma Rodriguez Reyes. Hola. Okay, you got to get in front of that. I didn't hear you at all there, Norma. Now, Norma, you know how to do this. (laughs) No, her mic is not on. Okay, there we go. There we go. We got the heavy D Donald Trump, devotee Harry Trump, WNHH's station manager. I mean, sorry, Harry (laughs) Droz. Excuse me. Sorry about that. No, you were right. And we got the straight shooter from Bermuda, the mystical and metaphorical man on the money, the tacker of tempestuousness and titan of temperance, the banisher of bilious bullies, prince of pleasantries and punctuality, (laughs) sorcerer of scientific solution, the blessed beatboxer of banksters and bacchanalians, the just-in-time judge of jackals and japery, the Uh-oh. sentinel of serenity, sincerity, and salvation. Uh-oh. The poobah of unparalleled political passion and perspicacity. <laughs> the righteous reaper what? of restitution. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Top 2% okay. exalted expostulator and extemporaneous <laughs> exegesis. Bossa Nova moving shaker griot the grassy knoll, conquistador of cussing criminals. Keeper of the cure, weaver of wellness and wisdom, mellifluous and meritocratic miner of melody. Cloud driver of peace, raker yeah. and breaker of fakers. Driver out of demons, discord, and dissonance. Optimizer of opulence and opportunity. Undertaker of unfiltered utterance. The uh, erudite earl of ergonomics. Yeah. The liberated lion of lucidity. The maniacal monarch of mercy. I want to do that The blistering today. barbecue of brain-dead bozos. Our executioner of existential enemies. The alchemist of assonance and alliteration. The yeah. zealous zapper of xenophobia. Sagacious sergeant sultan of swing. Quintus Hesitant. Quipper of quotable quackery, the grand D <laughs> of grandiloquence and gastronomics, our prize protector against pusillanimity, the I'm distinguished talking. Duke now of Diplomacy and Detente, the King of Conspiracy yes. Concoction, the Deacon of the Dozens, Bodhisattva of Battle Rap, yeah. Missionary of Modesty, Mesmerizer of the Masses, I was still Wonder on this. of the World. <laughs> Yes. Ape wonder of the world. Oh my God! Wizard of wise guy waggery, <laughs> the capo of casual conversation, <laughs> the first name in flame daring don of dope deliberation, Sultan of spit, West Indian whisper of wonk, <laughs> Emperor of explosive exposition, esteemed elucidator of ebonics, yeah. top tier talent from Trinidad and Tobago, Woo! the dap tone <clears throat> deliver. I just lost it. Oh, dap tone <laughs> deliver. <laughs> Changing of decency, the maximal media maestro, audacious boldface. Barista, Bob. Oh, my Lord. Chess master, chill, primo practitioner, prop presentation, beyond just somewhat honorable high priest of hip hop, right reverend of rapture, reigning raconteur of ripitude, sanctified slayer, the slow witted, never late for supper, decorated, dazzling, indefatigable dunker and dryer of the yeah. dinner dishes, maximusologist, Joe Ugly. Yeah. Of the Joe Ugly show in the morning is here with all his Ooh. names. I think you save up all week for this, don't you? <laughs> I figured yes, Marquise he is not here, so he should get go. his full name. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Can't oh, be my God. What's like what, so an many ego. Appala- what an ego! Appalachians. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, um, you could call me anything at this point. <laughs> I would say, in forty years of writing for a living, yeah. I'm proudest of that. Wow, <laughs> I love right? that. I want to do that someday in Spanish. No, you have, yeah, you have to do it in Spanish. <laughs> oh, that would be so funny. It would that still would... be alliterative. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Do you think it. it still start with the same letters when you get each of the names? Probably no, not. So, but really work. How long does it take you to do that? I did one a week for over a year. Every year, I'd like every week I would yeah, add another, add and then we would add. So it was very short at the beginning. Right. Um, but you know, Joe, spi- you know, I walked to work, and Joe would inspire me. Like, what else does <laughs> Joe do? <laughs> and how can you make the first letters be the same? Well, and especially his so show is what six to nine, six, six to nine, nine? Yeah. six yeah. nine a.m. every day. <laughs> so, folks, Obama School. What do you think? Ooh. New Haven's building a school on the, on the southern yes, campus. I'm for it. Yes. It's a building on the southern campus, mm-hmm. and it's a cool kind of idea for a school, mm-hmm. which is they want to combine with Southern's education school. So some of the people starting to be teachers get involved in the school. Mm-hmm. It's right there on the campus, and they're moving it from where Strong was. And they, um, 
And the idea is that they also, as the kids are only in elementary school, which is a little weird to me because they want to groom them to be teachers as part of it too. So to get them early involved with the education school. Mm -hmm. So maybe they'll see role models and say, I want to be a teacher one day. I wondered whether that might work a little better in high school. But in any case, the state's giving us a lot of the money. So there was a, there's a movement afoot on the board of ed rather than keeping it called the strong school, which is confusing anyway, because the strong school is built in Fairhaven. It's still that building, but they moved it to the old Morrow School before they moved the Morrow School in the hill. That place right. is crumbling, so now they're moving it again. It keeps changing their name. Oh, my God. So, Obama, what do you think? I well, love I- it. It would be the, <laughs> do you know what would be the first public school in New England named after Obama? About time. Well, is that right? Considering well, that know, they well, were... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was, I was apologizing. <laughs> Considering that um, the first historically black college could have been in New Haven, could have been in New Haven if the mayor of New Haven at that particular time in Yale University didn't like shoot it down was that the 1800s or yes it was the the early like the late 1700s oh wow well you know paul uh you ask uh did they burn it you said they burned it right no they didn't they that was the crandall school got burned yeah that was different this was was this would have been would have been the first historically black college in the country wow and uh and now are all the hbcus now in washington and in the south did they all end up locating in the south instead of places like New Haven? Because you yes. more blacks to attend. Yes, they were there in the south, and uh, right. uh, I think uh, I one in Ohio, Pennsylvania, of course, um, and then the rest are in the south. The rest mm-hmm. are in the I south. thought that was because of uh, demographics or more, you know, the. Well, I mean, I think you had, uh, um, uh, with the historically black colleges, which were land, a lot of them were land grant schools. And so, you know, the land was there and a lot of them were religious under based, you know, so. Was that true about Howard and Spellman, those kind of places? um, Spellman, yes. Howard, I don't think so. I don't think it. I don't know what the religious affiliation is with Howard. So one of the issues. I need some bisons to call in and tell us. I wondered, Babs, if also. The fact that there was slavery in the South and a tradition of African-Americans needing to even work harder to build independent institutions without the support of the greater society. Is this a ridiculous theory? Might explain why they also sprung... So knew, uh, up here, slavery wasn't legal, and yet you would burn down a school if black people tried to have their own school. Mm-hmm. I guess that happened in slavery, well, too, where they tried to Slavery was read. legal here for... for p- p- when was it wiped out, do you know? I- Slavery? Here. Oh, yeah. um, not too far long before slavery was absolutely wiped out, but slavery still existed. I know it. You know, I get. I know the parts like the insurance of the insurance of slaves where I went through Connecticut. Uh, I think the the current or the, the parent. I'm company. just thinking of the whole Booker yeah. T. Washington but, tradition. Right. Whether there was a tradition of more independent, strong black institutions in the right. South, growing out of the soil of the worst, the worst kind of legalized oppression where things were just kind of more genteel up here but maybe more brutal sometimes no i don't i don't i'm not going to 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 say that it was no i don't i don't think it was more genteel up here i think it was as equally as racist Mm. we like to sort of say that we like we like to paint the north as somehow or other but they allow folks that escaped to the north slavery was still illegal everywhere and northern folks helped um send black free black folks or folks who were escaping they they had a hand in sending folks back so it wasn't like you know so, so now that we have a wall back there but paul before you go any further you asked earlier if it's uh if you don't you said well should i say you mentioned that you don't know how the elementary school make a difference as far as having it for teaching but they already have that system set up in new haven on the Eastham's, uh the engineer school which is now on uh unh, UNH campus. campus do they have an education school at unh because that's more of a text. That's a more science oriented. It's science, but it's supposed to be tangled, tied in with the university. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Well, so that, that so that's is. a that's a model for tying it, a school right, into a university, and it's a great model. And it starts at sixth grade. Is my point. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's just like this. What I mean is, is there at Eastums they're grooming people for the UNH science track. I'm right. saying now they want to groom people for the teaching, teaching track at Southern. Southern. And I could see a good argument that yeah. you get them when they're really young and have and them be familiar sense. going there and making relationships. I'm just wondering whether you might get more bang for your buck at high school. I don't know. I think when do we start really teaching someone, you know, how to be, you know, to, in a certain trade? I really and truly don't know the answer to that. And I don't think anyone have the correct answer to it. Yeah. Because no matter what it is, hell, I changed careers at in my 30s, you know, so... You never really know what what you start off as, um, but to be honest, what I've done in the past was the foundation to help me do what I do. What I do mm-hmm. now, 
So you, I think it can be. And another way to like close that loop with teaching and getting teachers here, Mm -hmm. I think is our connection with the HBCU. So I remember two years ago, I went to a press conference in New Haven where they said, we're now going to try to recruit more teachers right. from HBCUs to get them to come here after graduation so we can get more teachers What's of HBCU? color. Historically, Historically black, black, black oh, university. university. But then I find out two years later, someone here, this dynamo reading teacher in New Haven who went to a HBCU. She goes to her, every year she goes to her reunions. I forget which HBCU it was, but in the South. And she, she talks to kids who might be from around here saying, come back and be a teacher. I said, has the school system ever talked to you? Has the school system in New Haven, if they want to recruit from the South, actually identify people who are here now who attended HBCUs and became teachers and have them become our best recruiters. And she said no. no. And it got me thinking about we have so many good ideas in New Haven that are sincerely announced by people who want to make them work. And it seems like we have this problem of getting to the next Reaching step, the- whether it's the new lead program to deal mm-hmm. with ex-offender, mm-hmm. you know, small, low-level right. defenders and get them in the system. And then months later, we found out they haven't actually connected with anybody and they mm-hmm. all want to. Right. And, you know, all these programs we've had about canvases in New Haven for kids mm-hmm. in trouble. Some of it's worked, like you said. Right. But, I, you know, like the whole thing about starting the center, the escape, and all this kind of stuff. And, like, with this HBCU, it seemed to me, are there people who, in addition to going to meetings and meaning it when they say we're starting an effort, do they really get in the weeds and make it happen and think, who do we have here to be our ambassadors? I no, like I don't, see I don't think that happens. All too many, I think this thing sounds good. <laughs> you did know, you go to the HBCU? Yes, I did. I went to a historically black college. I went to the same school that Mary McLeod Bethune was educated at. So why wouldn't they have you go down and try to recruit people? I have no idea. Okay. Because <laughs> I would do almost anything you told me to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'd be very person. good at it. Thinking from a totally different perspective, okay, I came here to New Haven when it was not fashionable to be Latina or Latino. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Welch School. I was basically the only Hispanic mm-hmm. there. So I couldn't really relate to, I, don't, I didn't speak English at all. And, I, and there was no bilingual education at that time. And there were no Hispanic teachers, no counselors, no one that I could relate to. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the last thing that I wanted to do was be Hispanic. And back in the day, I remember every time I filled out an application, you were either white, black, or other, and I would have to put other. So, Isn't that more convincing now? I'm confusing now because Hispan- there are Hispanic whites and Hispanic African Americans, and how do you fill that out? But see, the other thing also was Truth that thing. I wish, but, but I honestly truth. wish that I had been there, given an opportunity to belong to a Latino school. Gotcha. Right. And but, that's what should really exist nowadays. Mm-hmm. They need to, given the fact of all these new immigrants that are coming in here, and they're just throwing them into, emerging them into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, you know, a lot of them have the identity problems. Because I had serious identity problems. Is it different now, though, Norma, given that the box is there, given that there's the Latinos are the fastest part of growing group of our population coming up on equal to other groups that there are bilingual classes and dual language it's not, tracks. In New Haven, it's not easy. Fairhaven School, and, you don't think you'd have an identity Haven, as a Latino? In New Haven, it's not easy, no. No, it's not. Because you know what? You, you have still a lot of places that the principals... You know, are not Hispanic in Okay, so in, favorite in, in school it is Hispanic or Bear Cordero. He's he's Hispanic. The majority of the students are Hispanic. That's they have Hispanic middle, events. But we're yeah. talking about elementary. But is it's K eight. Well that ju- and that just started. What do we recently. say? What do we say about the individuals who well what do we say that we, when you have people who grow up in one particular group not understanding other groups, so if we keep them all in one area, what do we say about that? Uh you know, great example. I came to this country, obviously, as an immigrant, and uh, I grew up here in the city of New Haven, and I had discrimination coming from different angles, That's you know, right. the, the, the different sides. So like you're I, the top tier talent from Trinidad and Tobago. Right? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think what worked for me, and I speak for myself, what worked for me was the fact that I was integrated in different cultures. It worked very well for me. If we could just take a second and just look at Germany, for example. Quick quick history. Germany, where I was stationed in Germany, there were four military barracks. There were, And from that, there was a big housing development that supported that military barracks. The military moved out from out of that area. And <coughs> there were just empty spaces in Mannheim, Germany. 
when the refugee um, movement, well, when they were moving into Germany in the last three years or so, they put them in these barracks. Now, you must mm-hmm. understand these barracks are self-sustained. They have their own water, their own electricity, their own everything. It's like its own little city within the city. Well, what's happened now, the people who came as refugees into the city, they don't acclimate with Germans. And now it's an us-them mentality that yeah. now they have to go back and try to understand Well, my, that my only problem with this whole conversation is that it's always black people that have to sort of integrate to other people. No, no I'm one ever, No one ever says, why, you know, listen, listen. I'm not saying that. I, I, I personally like that there's historically black colleges. I like that there are black I communities. There oh, there's no question. I don't think that's just being brought up at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I that's like interesting that. about what Norm and Joe are talking about is it's a given that it's a strength to have historic black colleges and strong culture. Right. And, there's, and there's this push and pull we're always trying to navigate between the importance of one's own identity and not losing that in a melting pot Understand. and being part of a mm-hmm. society you've That's entered. Right. That's what I think Joe's talking about in That's Germany. Right. No one's saying anymore, and this is a change from when Norma came here. Mm-hmm. It is a big change. I think whether or not we carry it out in practice, I think most of us in the society or in the principle that you hold on to, like as a Jewish person, very important to me to hold on to my Jewish Identity, be part of a Jewish community. Fame, part of me to also be part of a broader community and understand other people. How do we do both? Because they don't have to be opposite. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think historically, for people of color, we've always been asked. Not, no, not ask is the wrong word. Told. We've always been told and pushed and pressed. When it was time to bust students, they didn't bust kids into black neighborhoods and black communities. They bust black kids into white communities but that's exactly because somehow or other, uh, uh, being uh, aligned and associated with white kids would would re- elevate education no. as if white folks were the purveyors of education to begin with. So this is, this is my, my challenge with, you know, I, I would have preferred separate and equal instead of separate and unequal. No, absolutely. Why, why not reverse what you just said? Instead of having minorities only migrating into white communities, why not make white communities migrate into African or, or my, minority communities and understand those These are tough questions. I think, you know I think why? Because I heard because Claudia Rankin yesterday at the Visionary Awards say when the Little Rock Nine was integrated into white schools, you know what those white people did? They mm-hmm. shut down those schools and, and turned and made independent white schools for their kids for two years. Right. So that black... And this was, and this this was government doing stop. this. And, and it wasn't to, black people doing right, this. They correct. didn't want black people in their schools. So what would but be, what would be the kumbaya? government hand government feet to the fire and say guess what you can't do this government well listen i'm sorry every time we've every time we've had to try to have our own thing we had rosewood Mm -hmm. we had tulsa Mm -hmm. we had all these places that were burned to the ground is there a way harlem the way that people who were nationalist and integrationists in african community in the civil rights era found ways to not be opposed to each other but but compress both ideas and take Mm -hmm. from both is there a way to outlaw discrimination and outlaw having worse level resources at minority schools, not force people to go to school, strengthen historically black culture, Hispanic culture, but also remove barriers so that there can also be a free flow, free exchange. How do you do both? Because I do think that's the challenge of our time. I, you know what? Listen, and more in other parts the, the of the world older than here I, with immigration. The older I get and the more that I understand white people and racism and white... Listen, what Claudia Racking said yesterday... When I am in the room with folks and they say racist stuff, I'm not in the room by myself. Mm-hmm. So it's not on me to sort of say, let's let's stop racism. White folks have got to stop being racist. That, that's the beginning and the end of that for me. We can no longer sort of put ourselves in the position to try to teach them how to deal with us. Understood. Clearly understood. But what I say, as a society, we must learn to, we have to. Uh, we have to integrate with others. We must learn that. And how else would a cop from the suburbs understand the police that he's, uh, you know, the, the community that he's policing in the in the urban area if he don't have any form of integration with that person or at a, at he, a younger at a younger age? I, I just don't have faith in white people doing but the right we thing. We have to. I'm not look, and, we and the right to, thing around these kinds of issues of race. But, I don't mean all white people because right, there were abolitionists exactly. that were down Correct. with the cause. There's and still those, white people who those, care. Those, but I think at the core. I, I don't see. I, I don't. Those are I don't know if that's hopelessness, that but I don't know. But you know what? Uh, listen, we I have believe, a president I who, believe. who knows nothing about race relations or diplomacy or respect or any of these things, and that and that seems to be the prevailing conversation What's right that? now. I think the younger generation really has it. All of those that have 
grown up with all kinds of diversity, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. I think it's generational. I think it's a certain group that haven't really gone to and eaten each, in each other's homes. But the younger generation will not tolerate racism. That's not true. They, no, some no, of them no, are some of the no, racist no. kids. No, no, I'm talking about those yes. that have been exposed. Right. Okay, and, and that's intermingle in every since Those they're young exposed, with other people. More has been exposed recently yeah. than ever before. You are right, because more people have been exposed to others more than ever before. And it is, when I look at uh, my son's generation, and I see they're very much so entwined. I recall in this city alone, in New Haven, when I was growing up, you could count how many interracial kids were on, you know, maybe two hands in the whole city. You knew who was, who was interracial. Today, you're like, there goes one, there goes one. You know, there's so much. So that does, you know, and it depends on how that child is raised, you know. And it depends because if they realize they're listening to Punted Friday, WNHH 103.5 FM. You do that so well. To <laughs> Well, we're running down the headlines and going to parts unknown, <laughs> uncharted territory with the, with the pundits who give you the lowdown in New Haven news. So back when we were talking about Obama school, or the strong schools to be Obama school, I thought the debate, there was a lot of debate about this on the independent site. I thought the debate was going to be, we like Obama, we don't. It wasn't about that. There were people who said, we don't like that they're building this school because New Haven can't afford it. Yeah, and Even that's real. And like 85%, <laughs> I think, gets supported by the state. I could be off by 5% in either direction. But people still say we're, we're having this budget crisis. We have to cut it 5 to $10 million from the Board of Ed budget just to keep current services. We, they feel we have too many schools. We can't go out of this. Other people say it's a done deal. We got the state money. It's just a great thing for our kids. Um, you can't really keep a school going in that other location in the hill where strong school is now. Other people say it's not such a big school you can send those kids to other schools that exist. So that became the debate. Some people said Obama should not be associated with poor financial planning. And then other people say, this is a great new idea, this school, and let's, find, let's start the Keep ball rolling Obama school. Any thoughts? Question is, when do we start? Well, there's that footbridge that they named after Obama at the Barnard School. Yeah, yeah. But, but when do we I need start? a sign over that though? Like yeah, I need exactly. to see, like I, I, I need to see, see it. Sign. When you're driving yeah. fast in Boulevard, you can't just squint your eyes and see that little <laughs> plaque. Oh, there's the a plaque. No, it's gonna I be. Need, a, I need a, a big sign like, like the whole right. end of the bridge. You know, I know when I'm on Martin Luther King Boulevard, I need to see when I'm on when I'm riding on Obama. Barack Obama. Speaking of speaking of presidents, not like I have a problem with being on Martin Luther. Donald Trump got a boost from New Haven. Republicans last night. So there's been this tradition oh called New England Republicanism. <laughs> there are New Haven Republicans. They don't have any seats on board alders. They last ran a mayor or candidate. I think yeah. 2007. They last elected a mayor in 1951. But they keep plugging. They're about, I think, 4% of the voters. Something. They they had their town committee, which is kind of a funny way to phrase it. A bunch of them showed up in the Hall of Records last night. And they had had a new chairman the last two years who's been very interesting. He's a throwback in his philosophy to what was called New England Republicanism. Mm where like abolitionism in New England started with Republicans, not Democrats. And, you know, they've always been kind of liberal and socialist, conservative, financial. Jonathan Wharton, who took over, was still in that tradition. And he was um, LGBTQ, African-American, under 40, which was like a shock to the system of the old DAR Republican <laughs> and, Party. And in where are they now? <laughs> so now he stepped down. He said enough work for two years. He's going for 10 years as professor. And they hand it to a guy who's a hardcore Trump supporter. He was on TV for chasing people off his lawn when they wanted to wreck his Trump sign. And, you know, over Chris Peacock's story about today, he was looking at the numbers and how, which kind of support already know that the, the tradition of New England Republicanism, moderate, sort of reasonable, can deal with all sorts of issues and people, has been withering. And that even in Connecticut, we see with these hearings now at the state Supreme Court Justice nomination, Hartford, it's becoming like the Republican Party in Washington. So this new um, Jeffrey Weiss is an unabashed, Trump guy in a city where, like, the last Republican um, town chairman, Jonathan Warren, didn't even vote for Trump. He felt he couldn't. Um, do you think, what is, is there any significance to the New Haven Republican Party joining the rest of this wave away from a moderate, old-style Republican Party, or do we not care? Uh, mixed emotions. <laughs> like Listen. My, it's like my worst enemy going off the side of a cliff in my brand new Bentley. I, I, for me, it just means that no, it's like, they've got to re, they've got to reinvent themselves and they've got to rebrand them themselves. But that. have they stopped doing that? That's what Jonathan Wharton was trying to do. There are a lot of Democrats in the city who want there to be a Republican Party. They feel competition's good for the city. That debate on issues is good for the but city. But you don't have to be a Republican to com to compete. But I st I no. believe we have a lot of Republicans in the Democratic That's Party. That's a good point. 
Right, because they do it right. They do it to vote. Right, there was a big move here in 1979 and 77 when they elected Ben Delito. They made a deal with the Republican town chairman to have all these Republicans vote as registered Democrats to vote in the primaries. Then they all got jobs, including the town chair who then went to jail for stealing money. But that's a whole other story. We're not going to mention his name. So, I'm just so what? What are we talking about? Like, what should? Well, I, I think do they, they were, need us. What do they need? I think they were rebranding. <laughs> I think Jonathan Morton was rebranding it, and everyone was rooting for him, and he got more people involved. And, I'm and then they got Trump. I'm wondering if they took a step right. backwards. Oh, Look, what? They took yeah. a giant leap backwards. Or whether that's where things are going, and that it's not up to us to tell the Republicans who to lead their party. Exactly. That's Although I have I voted for like Republicans me. at times, but I mean, it's not for us to you tell have? them. You know, back at <laughs> Lowell Weicker. Um, no, but he, no, was, when he was an he independent. Was a no, when he was a Republican, was I voted for him over Joe Lieberman, yes, uh, in, ni- in 19. And Joe Lieberman was also yeah, Paul an independent. Never liked Joe he Lieberman. was a Democrat when I voted for Weicker. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know what? I think, <laughs> we must I, think fight, uh, I think. you're right. <laughs> I thought Lieberman was more Republican. I think Republican. this is a... a, a <laughs> no, he was conservative. Let, let's not get it mixed up. No, he's he was a, a Bill Buckley endorses campaign. He was Weicker, still a conservative. He was not a Republican. On race, on economics, he, he, he ran to the right. Yeah, he ran to the right he of Lowell right. that's, that's the conservative belief. Cuban that's what it is. He, wasn't, he was not about... He, he was not... A, he, Republican Democrats goes by your registration, your affiliation. Joe Lieberman, since he retired, all his money, all his friends. Like, it's about what is your beliefs. Whom did your he? Beliefs. Whom did he introduce for nomination here? Is Betsy DeVos? Uh, what and, boards is oh he on? It the right wingers yes. who want to silence professors who are liberal. That's all conservatism. I'm not saying. He was I'm their not favorite. The who, who got him reelected his last time? Carl Rove. President Raven. Bush and Carl Rove hatched the strategy and got the money in the White House to make sure Joe Lehman could stay in, in the, the Senate. Of course. That's not but, Republican. No, that's conservatism. And the bottom line, no, it's conservative. And the reason, real reason why he won that election, by the way, is because Ned Lamont went on vacation after he that's won true. the primary. Is he that's still true. running for governor? <laughs> that's what they say. Is he? I don't hear anything. Yeah, he's definitely running. Yes, you know, Does they, Harry have any thoughts about the Republican Party in yeah. the Haven? Harry's not a Republican either. <laughs> That's true, Joe. He's a conservative. I'm still, a, I'm still a registered Democrat, by the way. You see, but he's a conservative. There's a difference. But I am a conservative. Yeah, but, I um, understand the difference. But actually, you're saying the the Republicans were evolving <laughs> under Wharton, right? What? That's what you said that they were kind of evolving. But the the truth is, is conceding every point to the Democrats. It's not an evolution. It's just conceding your points. Okay. I just wonder if you're interested in facts at all. Jonathan Wharton conceded no <laughs> points to Democrats. He went up against the whole local Democratic Party about the union influence. He voted against them on the city plan department and got and on the board and got he threatened. You what he, he went said. against every tenet yeah. of the local Democratic Party. Yeah, he agreed with that. But what he's saying is conceding to the Democrats this does not make you... He didn't concede. Right. It's, well, he not, but, but not... Did he vote for Trump? He voted for Casey. Okay. No, in the that's the that's the primary. In the general, he voted. In the general, he, vote, he wrote in Kasich. What did you do? Okay, well, I voted in. I wrote in um, Jack Bauer. Okay, does that make you not a Democrat? But Jack Bauer, oh, yeah. like who? Like the I wrote in Jack Bauer okay. because it was funny to me. It was a joke for me because it didn't matter if I like from TV it, show. Yeah, yeah, if I would have like if, from Twenty Four. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You see. But at least if, he knew who Jack Bauer is. I exactly, got, I had to you don't know. To get to it. He's like a, I don't know who he is. A, a, a I superhero. Know, <laughs> but, I know uh, now. I know who you speak. No, of. but the thing is, it's just I I wrote that in just because my vote didn't really count in Connecticut. Yes, it does. As a Republican, see, that, I'm I'm just saying, right? So you, you if see, if I felt scary, that but, my vote would have counted, I would have voted for Trump. Absolutely. Why would you have voted for Trump now? You know what? You're going to hear more about that in the next Joe Ugly. Harry Joe's Smackdown. Yeah. And when is that going national, by the way? <laughs> I don't understand why you guys aren't syndicated. Yeah, they need to. I mean, there's no show definitely. like you guys. But the show you're listening to is Pundit Friday. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about New Haven headlines and everything beyond it. 103.5 FM live stream no. at newhavenindependent.org. You gotta love it. Hey, folks, the... Um, the, there was a bunch. Of, there was a show at the board ed as usual this week. There's this committee that no. does contracts. No, now everyone's paying attention to it because they're reporting by Chris Peak. Board of Ed and, and the people on board of Ed are trying to say we're going to pay more attention to how we give contracts out. So they're grilling these people and this guy who gets hired to do all our facilities contract. They can't renew his contracts to fix things. So first they're saying it's because Jamel Cotto and the board of Ed was giving him a hard time about how the process worked. It turned out he didn't have his facts right. So he came back and said, "Okay, the process works fine. You can't bid out everything in an emergency." 
But here are these pictures I have of bathroom stalls without doors, sinks broken, holes in the ceilings, and Wilbur Cross. Why was this stuff never fixed? And he starts swearing at the guy and yelling at him and everyone's saying, we're going to have your ass and, you know, kick him out. But in any case, I was kind of, I wasn't sure what to make about it because there's no question that there's, they're trying to do a show. But also I'm wondering whether on substance it might be healthy that they're grilling the people who maintain the buildings. You know, the guy had an explanation. He said, you know, how much money we're running around do we did. We did eventually fix it once we found out about it. There are 40 something schools. We don't hear about it every day. So you can take those pictures. But other people wrote in and said, you know, my kid goes to cross and it looked like that for a long time. It wasn't just that you had him on the week when the repair wasn't made. They need other a people say, fix in these schools. I'm just wondering, they do you sure think, do. is this a healthy... The question is if they will... Attention is being paid like never before to contracts at the Board of Ed. Mm-hmm. And more people are paying attention, more questions are being asked. Some of it's fair, some of it's not. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is positive? Do we want to see more of it? Is it how's it going to end? Is it just trying to get? So some people say this is just trying to get rid of the contracts going out to certain people, so that those affiliated with the Reverend Boise Kimber who pay him a cut of whatever they get will be getting the contracts because the people he got on the board are asking these questions. So when you first, say that, when you when you frame foremost, it that who, way, who, is it against the law that that um, that Boise Kimber gets I'm not a cut? About law. First of all, it might be. Question, Second of all, the question. First of all, and do we know that? Proof, be, but do we no, know no, that? No, no, no. We don't know he's got a yeah. cut at times. The question is, is that good policy? Is that the well, way we want to run the schools? Do we want to how? make decisions based on whether a cut goes in the pocket of a minister, doesn't add anything to the process, or do we want the people who are best to do a job for our kids with Look, our money? We, of course no one wants a cut. I know Bamf doesn't agree with me on this. I think if you ask that question, Franny, <laughs> I no don't. one is talking about I don't know, cut, because it just seems it just it seems any, framed in a way. Because if you put if you put the question that way, no one is going to choose right. to, to give a cut. Back. But that's why I'm asking questions because I think there's a second way to look at this. Okay. The second way to look at this is that we live in a world where we wish there weren't influence peddling and graft, but mm-hmm. we also, the political process, for whatever bad reasons, might have a good result. I think it's good they're asking the questions. I don't think people should showboat. I think we have to watch the agendas. But I am glad that we are having public discussions of how our money is spent. That's, and if it makes that, people that sweat, makes if sense. people sweat, I'm concerned about what the outcome's going right. to be. I don't have total trust. Like I have 100,000% trust in Tamika MacArthur and, who joined that board. Mm-hmm. So yes. when she was sitting there, she said, this is a real problem. I'm looking at those pictures. I'm thinking I'm going to ask I have no doubt about her. Mm-hmm. You know, this is politics. It's real life. I have doubts about other people, about whether they're going to follow through or they're just trying to get their friends' mm-hmm. contracts. I know why Tamika MacArthur is on that board. She's the kind of person you want on boards who has a totally solid life on her own and career and smart and does well. She's doing this out yeah. of public she's interest not, as a she's parent. She's not benefiting and an expert, any sort and an of way. On kids. You have other people who have a different mix of motives. People get appointed for political reasons that are kind of disgusting by whoever's in power. Mm-hmm. So politics is messy. And what I'm asking is, do we have a complicated situation here where the outcome is going to be good on balance? I think so far it has. I think that we have to keep watching these people at every level. But I'm kind of glad this is happening, even though it's ridiculous for one board member who doesn't totally know what he's talking about to really beat up on people and swear in them. And, and when he hasn't well, really I think understood that's the a, process. I think that's a distraction tactic. You know, people who sort of behave that way when they don't know the facts or they have no grasp of the information before them. So they do this grand poopah kind of thing right. because their insecurity, their insecurity shows they don't know what they're talking about. You know, I but still, a, I'm glad he's raised the question. Well, I'm, so yeah, glad. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad he held up those pictures because, despite feeling bad for people who got beat up on, despite the fact that I know there's not enough money to watch everything, I think it is true but Paul, that they could do better on how they maintain the facilities, even with the money they have. Love the questions. Those questions are needed. They do help when people on opposing sides ask questions and are involved, even if they're raising questions. The part about it that I have, a, I, I have, look. I have no connections whatsoever with Boise Kimball. Let me be very clear, but I don't like when I hear names being thrown out about who who's getting kicked back towards, you know, for for whatever they Yeah. Well, there's no question. It's a account. fact that That's he a, gets that he goes in business with people. This is known? That he that, Yes, that, it's that, a fact that, that he goes into business important. he's in business people are getting the contracts. It's a fact. He supported the people on the board of ed who publicly said, "I'm here to be a representative, Boise Kimber." Yeah, it's a fact that his relatives get, get hired by the people who get the contracts. These are facts, okay? And it's a fact that over 20 years, he's been paid by politicians he decided to speak up for or not based on who put the money in his pocket. And that's okay. Not all of it is illegal. Maybe none of it is in the end. But this is the way the system works, and mm-hmm. it's always worked. And we decide as a society if we want to make our decisions that way. Now, I'm saying given all that, I'm still kind of glad what's going on. I think politics always has a mix of agendas. 
And the trick is to pay more attention to everyone's agendas and questions, but also to look at the merits the way I felt Dr. Tamiko MacArthur did on the board this week. And I'm watching her. I'm watching the people who are there for good well, motives. Well, she's good people. With talent. She's and she's people. my soror and my neighbor mm-hmm. and my pediatrician. So <laughs> I think, I think, Paul, I think reality really is always more complicated than it looks on the surface. But that's pol- Listen, yes. if you think politics is a nice day in kindergarten in the sandbox, then you are mistaken. It is Game right. of Thrones all day. I hate the sandbox. Day. It gets all between your, your toes and everything. <laughs> Yeah, but little kids love it. Little kids love. Little kids love the sandbox. (laughs) Well, talking about the sandbox, you know, Tony Hart is the mayor, former state senator. Before you change gears, let me just interject. Boy, you really got fired up there just now when I asked that question, didn't he? I just wanted to interject that. We can move on. (laughs) Talking about who got fired up. So Tony Hart is the mayor. Used to be state senator. Really close to Martin Luther King, state senator, state senate president. They support each other 100 percent. Everything they do. Marty Linney went on the attack against Tony Hart this week. Huh? And because Tony Harp is upset with the state, she feels they're bailing out Hartford with $40 million because they're going bankrupt mm-hmm. otherwise. New Haven has been responsible in how it budgets in tough times, so we're not going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. But So the state hasn't given us the same kind of money, so she feels she needs to raise taxes 11%. She said if the state would step up more, and her biggest exhibit is payment in lieu of taxes pilot. That's a program that under the law is supposed to give us 77% mm-hmm. of the money we lose in tax and revenue. And we're at what, 33%? Nonprofits. It's, it's under 40 and she says, so Marty Looney came back and said, don't blame us. And he came out with a whole show of numbers and stuff. He said, we, you know, we've cut everything at the state. Since 2011, we've cut 7,000 government jobs. Everyone's getting cut, but not New Haven. New Haven's total state aid rose since 2011 from $194 million to $226 million. Now, when you talk about inflation, that's about equal. So you're holding the site. You get 9.4% of all municipal aid when you count not just pilot, but education goes to New Haven. It used to be 89 Everyone else has been cut. He said, we've sent you $246 million in bond okay, money. Okay, I hear all that. So how could you what complain? What are they giving funding you us at? Are they at the 75% that they said that they would do? They're not, but he said, A. Why not? He's saying, overall, we're getting you the money. Because there's educational cost sharing, there's bonding money. But there's another side to that, which is, A, you're right. They haven't given us the money See, that's 70%. For me that, listen, Rihanna said it best. Itch better have my money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The other question is, so Marty Looney sends out this chart and it's getting poured over. And he says, well, you said you're sending us bond money, but part of that bond money was to have the state take all this land near the rail yards that we wanted for something else. And this isn't what we wanted. Part of it was to fix windows at the Connecticut Agricultural Experiment Station for a state agency. That's not what we wanted. Where is that? Yeah. So you're adding all this stuff in there. That isn't really helping New Haven. I think there's no question the state gives New Haven a lot of money. So what this all started from They could a- give us a lot of money, Paul, but what did they say? What were they yeah. supposed to give us? They could give us a lot of money and, and we're at less than 40% than what they say. Right. That's right. not so a right. lot so of money. Wait, so the way this all started was Tony Hart came on radio and said, we're going to sue the state for not giving us the money under pilot that you're supposed to. <laughs> Marty Looney said, well, there's no lawsuit there because this law doesn't say we have to give you the money. He says, we can give you the money you or we don't have to. Oh, here but we then go. it came back. It was a very interesting discussion. So then Rob N., who kind of set this off going too, he's a commenter. He said there is a good lawsuit because we look at the whole pot. The state is telling the city you may not tax under law more than half of your property. So it's telling cities that provide services for the region, you can't tax as much of your property as wealthy communities can under mm-hmm. our law. But then we're not giving you back the money that you, you lose. lose. So right. they're actually, as and there have been lawsuits like that about town aid, uh, Horton, you know, the guy Horton Mesco guy did a lawsuit mm-hmm. like that. And there was educational equity lawsuit uh-huh. that's gone two different ways. So there definitely is legal terrain that can be mined. So again, so we're talking about the sandbox of politics. It's interesting. But what, but, what, what but recourse you know what? do they this give was... her if she doesn't do this? Do they want her to just sit there and be pretty and not say anything while our city is in need I of these I wasn't taking a side here, Babs. You know, it's, it's interesting. But you know, oh, I'm, not t- I'm taking a side. Back, if we go back into... Um... Oh, I definitely think a lawsuit's a legitimate pursuit. <laughs> I'm taking a side. I definitely think there's a really good but, legal issue to be explored. I have no idea and, who would win. And you know who already has done all the, all, all the legwork and all of the... Um, Whatever you need to do before you can take it, Stratton, um, Alderman Stratton, Stratton. That was his. Um, what was it? His platform. His platform. Mm. In terms <laughs> of so, uh, th- he also already... had in his platform a bunch of UFOs and things that he yeah, said. Yeah, no, he... but you know, see, look at you, Paul. <laughs> you know, well, do you remember that, what he, he said about he, Tony he Hart? About... You think how he accused of all these things she never did? <laughs> I'm not. Every black I'm woman in politics got destroyed by that guy. I'm not on his side. I, you know, Norma could bring him up all he wants. I'm I not, brought him up because that was his platform. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he went up to Hartford and testified on it. Yeah. Well, it's a good point. Okay. So you guys are for the pilot lawsuit. Yeah. Bring I think it. it's definitely worth exploring. Why, why not? Because you know what'll happen? It'll force people to sort of look at this issue for real. Mm-hmm. And then it won't for give it lip picture. service like they've been I'll doing. I'll tell you it. something I'll tell you something else. In addition to this debate, separate from who's right and wrong, I think it's great that New Haven is not a basket case. I would rather be the city where great things are happening or deciding should we sue for the money? Should we um we have to make some cuts and tax increases, all things that we wish we didn't have to do. But I'm glad we're not Hartford. I'm glad we're not Bridgeport. I'm glad that we're growing. Me too. And and Tony Harp is so gracious. She gives a lot of credit to her predecessor. She's the first mayor I've covered. Actually, Stefano did this too. They don't bet. They used to all bash their predecessors and blame every problem they have. She said. You know why? Because that's called leadership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She said John Stefano did the heavy lifting. And in his later years, cut down government a lot and found ways to have the public works department, for instance, do the same amount of work it did and the parks with half the people. Mm Mm-hmm. She said, and she continued some of that, well, right? She's continued it. She lot. didn't get, she doesn't toot her own horn, but she's done some you of that need, too. Uh, you don't need so many trash people so if we, you got a machine to pick so up the we, trash um, can. And oh, it's but, also about when you do the scheduling and things like that. And, and, and she, um, so she gave the credit. She wasn't trying to give the credit. She'd take all the credit for herself. But I think it's true. In addition to that, and also smart things we've done to have it just be a fun, good city. I think we're strong. But we still, have some challenges, but I think even oh, with I, the, I know that we're strong because be we're that. not Bridgeport, not to knock Bridgeport. And Hartford. And Hartford and New London and wherever. <laughs> and you just highlighted the point. We're not these cities, but however, we should not be penalized just because we're better than we're I know, right? Like, there shouldn't be. Not even in the slightest. We should fight. Let's go, and she is a fighter. We should fight. And that's what this pilot's about. No, let's go pay map, us baby. what you owe us. But you know but the you other thing, that? why we are not a Bridgeport, why we're not a Hartford, and why we're not a New London that we just mentioned is because Yale University. Well, people say that, Norma, but it's two sides to that. <laughs> yeah. There's no yes. question that Yale does a lot of positive. They contribute money. They infuse our culture. They hire a lot of people, although hiring is not something you do out of goodness of your heart. They had to be fought to pay decent wages. But Bridgeport had more property too. that it could tax because right. it doesn't have Yale. And they ended up not having some of the financial problems we had a generation ago because they had more taxable property. I think you you know, Yale is like the weather. Right? It's not good or bad. It's something that brings a lot to the city. It takes a lot from the city. That's we right. have to fight with them a lot. We work with mm-hmm. them a lot. I have a hard time when people, when it comes to finances, say we're lucky we have Yale. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel that way too, Paul, because I yeah. think... I love having Yale in other ways, some of the people, the energy it brings and the ideas, but yeah, I'm sorry, Babs, I interrupted you. No, I think you're right. The new people that attract, look, look at the people that attract, and a lot of, because of the institution that it is, and a lot of them stay here, okay? They don't just go back. That's right, Paul <laughs> is a perfect example. Yep. <laughs> so, you know... Carpetbaggers. And I'm the one that's always... I know, they still say that to me after 40 years. I think, geez, people have been live less than that time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yale attracted... They attract the best and the brightest. And, you know, let's look at a... They currently have a great filmmaker over there. Yeah, but Hartford had the whole financial... The whole insurance industry for years and years and years and years. Right. And And they sort of you know middle fingered us because they felt like they were the final I still didn't center. want to be Hartford it had no soul yeah even right. the insurance company had no soul and it's an evil business I would take Yale over the insurance company me Correct. too <laughs> seriously like, and, I, a, and I used to be a licensed adjuster isn't Pfizer in uh, New London yeah and they screwed yeah. New London too when they cut back and they exactly. took all that property and Big destroyed that neighborhood insurance companies keep them but we'll you know we were it. talking about the sandbox <laughs> they, they were singing Kumbaya on the sandbox this week in New Haven Oh boy. I have bad news for you. That really does happen sometimes. Yeah, boy. They were singing Kumbaya at City Hall one night. Marquisha Ricks was there and she came back. She was almost singing Kumbaya. <laughs> I thought I was going to start hearing that when you read her article. The management team in New Hallville had an idea. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, community management teams are neighbors. They say, you know, Kumbaya is a good song. They say, we never. And yeah. if, you know, the street store recently found the historic roots of it. I forget it was the Gucci Church on in North Carolina is it Gucci 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 I'm sorry it turned out that <laughs> Gucci some, is white, a designer. some white guy claimed he had, he had written Kumbaya and got the money for it then they found an old recording from that church mm-hmm. where they had actually created the song and what it was was that in their dialect when they say come by here yes mm-hmm. it came out as Kumbaya Kumbaya anyway they were singing Kumbaya in not the Gucci uh, dialect the Gucci Gucci, Gucci. Gucci in, in New City Hall what happens the New Hallville management team said you know we never talk to the other management teams and work together wow. from all our neighborhoods. 
And they had this idea. Apparently, they got some dynamic new leadership. And, the, and you know, management teams really are the engine of democracy. New Haven. Mm -hmm. You have a strong management team, you have a stronger neighborhood. That's they hold true. officials accountable and they do stuff together and make those better. My and there was one, no My management whining. team is pretty strong. So, no, Harville's gotten. Yeah, you always had a good one, mm -hmm. the web. Yeah. Yeah. So, this, um, this Kim Harris said, let's have this idea where we get all 12 mass teams together and do 60 days of summer. And we're all going to have some stuff we do with kids and families, events that are fun. And we're going to plan it all together. We're going to create a passport that you get. So I'm, you know, tagged when you go to each of the events. We tell each other about it. We organize them together, get everybody into each other's neighborhoods, get stuff that parents and kids can do together with their whole community all huh. summer. And they're planning this idea. And they all came to City Hall to start it going. They toasted each other. The mayor was there and she was high on this, you know, and, 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 uh, and gave them all the help she could get from the city. It's not going to cost them money. And I just think that good things do happen like that. Yeah. And, and, cool, and sometimes in the sandbox, they do people play, play nice. together. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe it's when they're not running for office or fronting <laughs> for people. That's usually when things go south. As soon as there's power or money involved. Now, some people say there's money there's involved in between New Haven Airport. Nice and warm over there. So there's a whole campaign going on between New Haven Airport. Uh -oh. And I keep coming Still? back. Yeah, well, there's a new one now. So the state, they, their runway is 5,600 feet. Mm -hmm. They say if they can make a 6,600 feet without moving the fences or anything, just pave or more of it. They can get, yeah. Who? Didn't they recently expanded the they runway? They had expanded a bunch of years ago to 5,600. Yeah. Now they're saying if we get a 6,600, we can get jets that are no noisier. They're more modern jets to come and get service, not just to Philadelphia, but the hubs in Atlanta and New York, and Ooh. they feel that will boost the oh my God. that will boost the industry. No, we're the not neighbor, interested. The neighborhoods in that. against that because they say they move next to the neighborhood, but they don't like a neighbor. They don't the airport. They don't want a neighborhood. They want an airport. Other people say that's how we're going to get jobs and grow as a community. So you don't have to go to these other airports like Bradley or New York, and it is really convenient when you come out of Tweed. And then other people say, you know, Tony Harp says, look, we we spent forty thousand dollars per house to noise proof them. You really, it's just all fine. Other people say you had to do that based on law. And what's interesting to me about this debate is that I've watched it all these years and I'm an agnostic on it because I don't feel sorry for the people who move there. And some people would say that they love being able to walk to the airport. And I don't feel sorry for the <laughs> business community because every time they get some new airline in there, it doesn't last very long. And some I people were saying, I've that. never been convinced. Like Tony Arp said, look, we had this African-American mayor's conference. Some people couldn't come because it's too inconvenient to travel. I believe that. But, you know, in general... I'm not, you know, there's a trend oh, seems to... Who said it wouldn't come because it's inconvenient? She said it was hard for people to make arrangements. I don't know. Well, like from they Harvard are. to New Haven? You know, okay, Harvard's a pain, you know, to get there from it's, there. But it's nothing compared to going to New York. New York, you. it's like taking another flight. But that's where you have to go sometimes. But, <laughs> but you know, some people say, you know, the truth is this business community has never proved that we would get more jobs. And even if you could, the airlines don't really want to be here. They're consolidating local airports. They're even calling Logan and Boston a local airport in how they're doing their strategy. And that they don't believe that putting more money and fighting about this is going to actually make Tweed. A tweet, it I, ain't going to happen. I, this conversation is not new to me. I, right. you know, I served on the airport com committee, commission. And what did you think coming off of that? Same thing. They, what was your they, view? They, you know, I, I went in and I served in the National League of Cities on transportation. And this was the, this was the talk in those days about um, connecting um, industry and economics to airline, airport service in mm -hmm. smaller hubs. Not the bigger hubs, but smaller hubs. Um, the neighborhoods don't want it. They resist it totally. Mayors don't get in, get behind it too much because constituents don't but want it. But our mayor it. does because he feels she Our feels mayor does, but the airport doesn't just sit in New Haven. Shares space with East, East Haven, Haven, right? And so people are feeling some kind of way about... Forget them. Who cares it? about them? East Haven? <laughs> If they do to us, you well, here's the deal. Here's come in here and kill people in New Haven. You think you care about I mean, an airplane listen, over I, Mars? This is what I feel about transportation overall. Transportation has got to be at the at the heart of any conversation about um, job development, economic growth, economic period. growth. It has to be, but we don't treat it as such. Right. We so, don't so, treat so airline Bab, transit. We all agree any with that. This. Transportation infrastructure, whether it's buses, trains, we need more of it. It's got to be the we center. Need, but the question here is: Is the airport a spoke of that? Is it realistic? It ought to it be. Is, ought to but be. can it be? Can we become a viable air if hub? If we allow or it. Hub? You, you can't grow a thing if you don't water a thing. But will, are there enough people here to really make it work that the airlines are on invest? We've never really tried to. We to, have. To, we had Chicago service that went out. We had DC service that went where out. Where did they go? They go to the bigger airports. They but think it's not time, worth the They say the economics doesn't work. 
at that time, the generation that they were going for is very different. It the is. newer generation mm-hmm. travels all over the place. And it's they don't not- mind taking an Uber to Bradley. Yeah. That's so, well, mm-hmm. My son did it. He went on spring break. You know, the thing is... Uh, and maybe that's, it, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the shift. Maybe that's how we have to think that's about That's why I'm saying so many, I'm so agnostic. That if I was sure this would be a, a really make a difference to be viable, I'd be a thousand percent for it. I just don't want well, us to see us get rid of an airport that we haven't really. Well, it's not private. Even a, yeah, it's yeah private, not even yeah. get but rid I, of, I, but I, even downgrade it. You know, or, you know, we. What are they? Did they do a study on this ball? Well, yeah, done the studies are all. Of, they've done studies that brought us other service that then went out of business. Something that is, you know, is. But you know, um, what they need to do if they're going to go with the airport, they need to have Plan A and Plan B. So that if the airport works, perfect. But if it doesn't work, what else now can you do with what you've already converted into? How about the into? buses? How about if we had real bus service? You know? Like make the make the airport the bus hub. Ooh, that's a little out of the way there. That's where we just have buses. Ball, remember? Yeah. That's right. The mayor had the so, inaugural ball. The you know what, you know what, folks? Worst ever. night, though. The, the, the sunlight <laughs> of our bad. crew, Marquisha Ricks, was off today. Oh, no. I, I still her. think we did okay. I miss her, though. We miss you, Marquise. We'll see you next week. But I think we did okay, folks. I really enjoyed talking to you as always. (laughs) Whatever you do, you have a lot to say. You guys make me think so much. So thank you for for being on this program. I because he got in his space (laughs) when I said something. I refuse to say anything else. You say it all you want, man. (laughs) Bozy, Bozy. Joe Ugly has more. We're going to keep our airport. (laughs) Born Bozy. And And we're going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya into the great beyond. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. Come on, Harry. Kumbaya, my lord. 60 days of summer with our bad. Be teams. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on Dateline New Haven. Thanks to pundits Babs Wells Ivy, Norma Rodriguez Reyes, Harry Dross, and Joe Ugly. We're going to take it out with the Afro Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. Yes, we, we do. just got to remember Thank to God. book our flight, know, whether it's Tweed I... New Haven Airport <laughs> or the Stratosphere, the transcendent Stratosphere. Book and fly free with us all weekend long at WNHH, New Haven's home for, for community, community radio. radio.